0: NFL divisional round, betting market breakdown, Suma. As we look ahead to the divisional round, I'm intrigued by the scoring environment, a big topic of conversation over the course of the season. You were early to the party identifying the low scoring environment that we saw throughout much of the regular season. Throughout the wild card round, we saw some games sail over the total. Only one game failed to go over and go figure a game that closed 45 and a half, seven touchdowns. The Cowboys and Bucks couldn't get there last night, thanks to quite a few missed extra points. Overall, do you think there's any underlying reason that playoffs might be higher scoring? Or do you think that what we saw in the regular season might be more indicative of what we can expect for a scoring environment looking ahead to the divisional round?
1: First of all, um, I think the fact that um, some games sailed over the total, is just simply a small sample variance because we know that the average error between the total and the final scoring line is on average 11 11 points. So any total, even though that you believe that the closing line is very efficient, but because of the scoring distribution in the NFL, the final score will on average always be far away from the closing spread or, or closing total. Spreads are, um, do have a mean absolute error of 10 point something, and totals are a little bit higher because they have more volatility. So yes, the scoring environment was low over the course of the season. Um, first of all, secondly, um, if I told you that, hey, on week 17, there will be five games where the total or where the final score flies over the total, would have said, yeah, that's that's probably pretty doable, could easily happen. It's just that this week we only had six games. So um, I think there's still a decent chance that out of six games, five games on any given week in the NFL can fly over the total. And secondly, when it comes to the playoffs, we usually are dealing with better offenses. So we would expect this scoring environment to be uh, different um, in the playoffs because just look at the divisional playoffs for the AFC, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. Uh, four quarterbacks with uh, top 10-ish offenses. We would expect the scoring environment to be higher than uh, throughout the course of the regular season when, when we look at all 32 teams.
0: When you mention some of the high-flying offenses that we see in the playoffs, we can use that as a transition to the first game of the divisional round. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs off their by hosting the aforementioned Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game opened Kansas city as high as a nine and a half point favorite total of 52 current consensus chiefs minus eight and a half. That total has ticked up to 53. So Suma early on in the betting cycle for Jags chiefs, what do you make of a little bit of money on Jacksonville as well as some money on the over?
1: Yes. um, We had this matchup in, I think November already And at that point, the Jags, I think they closed somewhere around nine and a half points at at Kansas City. They hang in the game. Um, They lost by 10 in the end. So you guys who who got the plus 10 got a push in the end. I think it was also um, kind of uh, tight late in the game because you needed the Chiefs to get a final first down instead of kicking a a, um, late field goal to go up by 13. And I think since then, we got no new information about the Chiefs. They are just as good as we knew they were back then. But the Jacksonville Jaguars got progressively better. Like their early season variants, especially with those turnovers, uh, went down. Their offense uh, um, started to click even more. They had all these great comebacks. So there was... And an arrow that pointed upwards on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I think it's a logical reaction that we see this number opening lower than we did during the regular season. When it comes to the total, the game back then, I think it ended 30 to 20 for the Chiefs, but both teams also had a few scoring opportunities where they got stopped deep uh, into uh, opposing um, territory um, I think that the Jaguars had a turnover on downs deep, deep in Chiefs' territory. The Chiefs had, I think, two turnovers or something. So we have a game with two top 10 offenses, maybe one of maybe the best offenses in the Chiefs, and the Jaguars as a ball-line top 10 offense, and two defenses that are average at best. Like the Jacks' defense is not average, the Chiefs' defense – they have a significant advantage because they have a defensive coordinator that's very experienced with two weeks to prepare. So that's something that could waste the seeding of the defense, but both defenses on paper are not even average. So it makes complete sense in my opinion that this total first is in the low 50s and that betterers might rather be looking at the over early on than the under.
0: Another matchup that has attracted some over-interest early on would be the nightcap on Saturday, the Giants at the Eagles. This one opens Philadelphia minus 7, total 47. Currently, we're looking at the Eagles up a tick to minus 7.5, and and that total up a full point to 48. So, Suma, maybe some more intrigue on the total. But I've got to ask, first and foremost, I know Jalen Hurts' status is going to be an X-factor. Just how close is he going to be to 100%? But if he's anywhere near full strength, Kansas City minus 8.5, Philly minus 7.5. A A Chiefs-Eagles teaser sounds too good to be true where it can be found for a minus 120 or better. Is there anything I'm missing, or do you think this is probably going to be that type of teaser that pretty much every better with a pulse is going to be banking on this weekend?
1: I think this is going to be the most popular teaser of the season. I mean, (laughs) you can tease the Chiefs and the Eagles with two weeks of rest. At home down to below a field goal. I mean, like you almost have to take this. <laughs> I mean, it's it's going to be the, the most popular teaser and it might be the square squarest teaser teaser on the planet, but it's probably a, a decent one to to snack.
0: And when it comes to the total, is this a, another case of just, hey, we saw a bunch of points in wildcard weekend. So to your point, there can be a lot of noise there, but maybe the market is buying into some signal. Another game where we've seen a quick tick up from an opener, in this case of 47, currently sitting at 48.
1: Yeah, I think that um, the Eagles, we don't know exactly how close Jalen Hurts is to 100%. My best guess is that he's not 100%, but they would probably run like... of the playbook for him. Um, He had a, um, I don't remember um, what that bone is, but that sprain was likely going to cause a lot of pain. and And they also said that in week 18, he was in a lot of pain. He can easily play through it, but I wonder whether they might not call three sneaks in the game and maybe only two if you get what I mean. Um, like, mm-hmm. they they might be just a little bit cautious and when it comes to plays where Jalen Hurts would have to expose himself into bodies of, of opposing defenders. That could easily happen and that's, like, a small uncertainty we're still dealing with um, in this matchup. I mean, the Giants had a great game against the Vikings, like, a phenomenal game that offense, just from a schematic standpoint, I was really, really impressed like taking all the easy layups, um, using a lot of eye candy, play action, Barkley went well. But they played against a Vikings defense and a Vikings team where like every guy with a pulse know, knew that they uh, would be frauds. And the Vikings defense is really one of the worst in the league. And this week, it will be a completely different matchup for the Eagles. Um, the Eagles have two good cornerbacks who can play man-to-man. The Eagles have a very, very stout front, especially on the interior, like the Vikings have no one on the interior. They cannot push the pocket. And the Eagles with Javon Hargrave, with Fletcher Cox, with Jordan Davis, this will be a completely different matchup um, for the Giants offense. Um, I would still expect them to put up some points. And on the other hand, um, the Eagles are going to play against a defense that is over the course of the season among the worst in the league like a bound five unit they cannot cover, they can stop the one their linebackers are maybe the worst unit in the league. I think that that is goal that is going to go nuts on this defense uh, and that the Eagles will score and then when it comes to the when it comes to the total it probably depends on how batters view the Giants chances of scoring. And with the early move from 47 to 48, I think that at least the, the early week betters believe that they, 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 might have a shot at scoring some points.
0: Reading between the lines a little bit, if you will, there sounds like from a prop betting standpoint, maybe some interest in Dallas Goddard overs. If those don't get steamed out of oblivion based on how TJ Hawkinson just feasted on that giants defense And then Jalen Hurts, to your point, maybe he's going to play close to 100% of the playbook, but a few things they might not call could potentially put a cap on his rushing output. So something to consider there. I will probably close the loop on both of those notions with Hitman on our show later this week. But moving ahead with the two of us hashing out divisional round weekend, Buffalo hosting Cincinnati in the first game on Sunday. The Bills opened four to four and a half point favorites, total in the range of 49 and a half to 50. And not a lot of movement on this one, but we have seen a bit on both the side and total. Current consensus, Bills up a tick to minus four and a half to minus five across the board. The total down from 50 to 48. Suma, I've got to think looking at a little bit of Buffalo money and quite a bit of under money, maybe the market is reading into some potential issues the Bengals could have across their offensive line
1: exactly the Bengals have I think three holes on their offensive line going through this game they are down three starters Alex Kappa um, Lyle Collins and Jonah Williams like both starting tackles will be out Alex Kappa was a very very sound veteran addition for the for them in the offseason. um so they are really left with the same patchwork offensive line that they got hammered in in last uh, last year's playoffs the Bengals were able to overcome that by really hitting the stride and, and sometimes the seeding of their passing game. When it comes to this matchup, the problem is that the Bills play a lot of um, too high shells. They try to put an umbrella on your offense and not allow anything deep. And that's something that will make the Bengals to, to go like quick pass, quick pass, one quick pass mm-hmm. down the field and... Try not to stall in the red zone. Basically, basically, the same that the Ravens did against them last week, and the the Bengals scored mm-hmm. 17 offensive points against the Ravens. So this is likely the same matchup for them. And then with their offensive line, like when they get into a game state where the Bills lead and the Bengals are are behind, they are playing against a defense that can get pressure on their patchwork offensive line and a defense that usually takes away the deep pass and forces them to go dink and dunk down the field. So in general, this is not a great matchup for the Bengals. That's why the number, in my opinion, is five. Um, A few weeks back uh, when we had the crazy game with the DeMar Hamlin stuff on the field, this game was like uh, Bills minus one and a half on the road at Cincy like all week. And then we saw something like a minus two and a half close. Now we have that adjustment through the three. We would probably expect something in the range of three and a half, four. But with the O-line news on the Bengals, this line got pushed to five. And yeah, it's a tough matchup for the Bengals. And on the other side, the Bengals' defense, even though not being that great, they have always found ways to make adjustments on the fly and limit these exposing uh, passing teams. So this is a combination of the Bengals have a tough matchup offensively and the Bills might not have a a field day all game long. But still, I would like like to mention that the Bengals have an issue at cornerback and the Bills are an offense that could exploit that. That's something to keep in mind, in my opinion. It will be interesting to see where the line goes. I think, let's say, I would be surprised if we saw a six here anytime soon. If we saw a six, I would expect some Bengals money. So I would guess that for a few days, we will probably hang around the debt area four, four and four and a half, five, five and a half for this game. And then we will see what happens when all the big money comes down flooding on the weekend when uh, places like Circa rest the limits to 100K.
0: And speaking of big money, if I had to guess, I would say that Cowboys 49ers might attract the most money on this weekend slate, given the historic rivalry between these two teams. We saw an opener for this matchup of 49ers minus three and a half to minus four, a total in the range of 45 to 46 current consensus, pretty much the same from a point spread standpoint Niners three and a half to four point favorites across the board. The total up a touch, currently seeing 46s and 46 and a halfs across the screen. Sumo, when it comes to this matchup, I want to ask you about one factor, and I'll preface it by saying that I understand travel not as burdensome as it once was, and recovery with all the advances in sports science much better than it was in previous years. But that said, this is a pretty extreme situational spot when we look at the Niners' third straight home game, coming off extra rest, having played in the early window this past Saturday. Taking on a Cowboys team on the road for the fourth straight week, and they played in the latest possible window during the Monday night assignment on wild card weekend. Any thought to just how much this situation could favor San Francisco beyond the matchups themselves?
1: I think this will get talked about a lot in the media, but I think it's kind of overblown. And first of all, we don't have we don't really have data on this. I think Cleve T. A. posted it today on his feed that there were like only twelve Instances of this over the past 20 years or something i can't remember the or it can remember his exact wording exactly but it's just a small sample size it's tough to quantify that i would expect that for a guy like Shanahan, it doesn't really matter whether he gets seven or eight days to prepare for an opponent uh, is is my best guess and Like you said, traveling and um, preparation, it's been getting so much better over the years for NFL teams that I would not make too much about this um, travel spot in general.
0: Got it. So beyond that, if it's safe to assume, maybe it doesn't mean as much as some think, and to the extent that it does matter, it's probably priced in. When we look at this current price of Niners, minus three and a half to minus four, where do you see this point spread going over the course of the coming days?
1: I can see this going towards the three. Um, it doesn't mean that that I'm saying it will close three, but if you ask me which direction I would expect, I would rather expect the, the market to move towards the three than towards the uh, five, um, to be honest. I think that there is some appetite in the marketplace for getting the Cowboys with a veteran experienced quarterback getting uh, more than a field goal here on the road against Brock Purdy. I mean, for as great as this Niners team has looked, um, the Cowboys are coming into this game with a good offensive line, with a veteran quarterback, and with an offense that, despite producing turnovers um, like every week so far this year, um, they still are like a functioning machine. And the Niners this season, they've played one of the easiest schedules, and then they... Have not faced too many good offenses. The one week where they faced a great offense in KC, they conceded over forty points. It was also where they were kind of backed up. But um, I think this is a spot where where betters will like Dallas with this offense going against Brock Purdy, a seventh seventh round um, rookie who has looked phenomenal this season. Don't get me wrong, but I think that our prior on on these guys is that. At some point, there might be the eventual meltdown game. Could be this week, It could be next week, don't know. But I think there will be more appetite on the Cowboys here at this number than than the Niners. I I also, and um, I know we will do Fabian's forecast later, I also think that there will be appetite for the over here because we are dealing with uh, two offenses that are set up very well to have success. Dallas Cowboys' defense is overrated, in my opinion, and and the Niners, for as good as they have been, as as I've mentioned, they have not been extremely battle-tested.
0: All right. Well, I think for anybody anticipating Fabian's forecast after the rundown of the divisional round slate, there is your answer as far as this weekend is concerned. But, Fabian, I think we could also offer a bit of a forecast in the way of conference championship weekend openers if we want to look at the most likely matchups – probably pitting some mixture of the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals in the AFC and the Niners, Eagles, and Cowboys in the NFC. Apologies to the Giants and the Jags. We can revisit them next week if they're still alive. But if we think about the heavyweights in each conference, I'd love it if we could do just a rapid fire of the most likely matchups for conference championship weekend, where you think the Lions should open up. And let's go ahead and kick off in the AFC. What's the gut reaction, if I'm to ask you? Bills, Chiefs, on a neutral field in Atlanta – Where do you think that line should open?
1: Yeah, first of all, and that thought experiment will be crucial when we talk about Bengals Chiefs, for instance, like a lot can happen this weekend. Like, um, for instance, let's say that one team looks really, 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 really good and completely outperforms expectations or market expectations that will have some impact on the line next week so we are trying to make this let's say all all things being equal if things play out normal no injuries etc we i would expect these lines to open next week um Mm -hmm. that being said buffalo kc uh, neutral field dome environment i think this will be around a pickem, and then we will we, we might see a back and forth to either uh side But I can't imagine that books will open, or let's say that early market participants will have a strong stance on either side, um, laying like more than one point.
0: And if it's Bengals Chiefs, do you think we would see a stronger stance taken in that potential matchup?
1: This is interesting because when we get the Bengals at Chiefs matchup, that means that the Bengals had upset the Bills on the road at Buffalo. And that will be a crucial data point that will be incorporated into next week's uh, market number. So, Bengals are currently um, giving five on the road at Buffalo. I think if they upset Buffalo and like show a really good game and Joe Burrow overcomes all these um, offensive line problems, I think that the market will make an adjustment for the Bengals and I could see this opening in the ballpark of minus three and a quarter. Minus three, minus 120 um, for KC, maybe minus three and a half, uh, somewhere like that. I, I don't think that um, a flat three would be justifiable, but I think, or I would not be surprised if we, see, or if we saw a soft three or a three and a half for the Chiefs if the Bengals upset the Bills, which, we, which they will need to do in order for this um, thought, experiments, uh, thought experiment to come reality.
0: Yeah, good context there. It's not just these two teams as one might power rate them today, but assuming what would have to happen for these matchups to come to fruition next weekend. Hopping over to the NFC, what do you make the line offhand if we're to envision a potential matchup of the one and two seeds, mm-hmm. San Francisco at Philadelphia?
1: I think Philly will be favorites in both matchups. Um, I think they will be sure favorites against the Niners, like minus one and a half minus two in that range. And I think Dallas at Philly would be a field goal spread, like Philly minus three. But then again, if the Cowboys go on the road um, in Santa Clara, upset upset a really, really good Niners team, that might be an adjustment. Um, and we might see something like t- uh, 2.75, like uh, Philly minus three plus, plus 100 or something.
0: I really like the context you've shared throughout this thought exercise. I want to make clear the purpose of this version of Fabian's forecast, not necessarily to encourage everybody to go out and bet early if there are any discrepancies from the numbers that we've thrown out over the past couple minutes, but really to try to think through the process of getting to the best of the number. And Suma, I think that dovetails nicely with a Twitter thread you posted recently as it pertains to the ever-polarizing topic of closing line value. Could you speak briefly to what you intended to share in that thread, in your own words here, and how that might relate to some betters going through a similar thought exercise of trying to position themselves to be ready to get the best of it once we have lines available for conference championship weekend.
1: Yes, I think closing line value is one of the biggest and most dividing topics on gaming Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that the concept of closing line value is misunderstood by a lot of people in the space especially maybe bettors that are not very experienced. Then there are people who are very experienced and and are long-term bettors and they say, I don't put too much stock on closing line value. And I think it's also um, uh, manageable to win when you bet closer to game time. That's a completely valid argument. And there are people that can win long-term without obtaining um, a a positive closing line value but that's by far not the majority. Um, Closing line value basically um, tells you the the difference in the implied probability that you bet into and the implied probability by the market um, when the market closes at game time, where the market is supposed to be at, at its most efficient point. And when someone obtains decent closing line value over a large enough sample size, you can be pretty sure that that guy will be a long-term winning better because when you obtain closing line value over a large enough sample size, it means that the guys who bet more money than you, who are probably sharper than you, and the guys who really bet the big bucks on game day have the same opinion as you did on the same game and you got a better number than they did. And I think that's a pretty good indicator whether a better knows what he's doing and whether he is set up for long term success and getting closing line value doesn't mean that you win every bet where you get closing line value. I mean, even the best betting groups in the world who get closing line value consistently um, are very happy about a, a return on investment in the single digits. But if you really think about it logically, like when you get the, the same numbers or better numbers than the biggest bettors um, markets in, in what you are betting into, you should be very positive about your ability to to, to beat this market. And that, that's basically all I want to say. And I want to add some context. Um, I, want to, I want to add an, an example because closing line value is like I said, something that people sometimes mathematically cannot really grasp. But I want to show an example with with last week's Bengals-Ravens game because when you get closing line value, it can lead to a direct impact on your return on investment because if you beat the number by one or two points every now and then and the game falls exactly between your bet and, and the closing number, it means that just because you got in early and got closing on value, you won your bet. And the guys who bet closed did not. And that will have a, a direct impact on your, on, your, on your record and on your return on investment. Because simply by beating the number, um, you will, over a large enough sample size, win enough bets that simply fall between your bet and the closing number. And when you are then also very good at handicapping the game and you might have some value against the closing nine, you are set up really, really well.
0: I feel like you basically just told me it's not as simple as just picking winners, to which I would say it is as simple. If you want to get better insight on how to pick winners following the right process, to go ahead and follow Suma on Twitter at SUMA810. That's S U U M A 810. You can also find me there at Mlandis18. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode, and I'll be back in a couple days with Hitman for a divisional round prop betting breakdown. <laughs>